Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Welcome back once again to The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and it's my pleasure to be with you once again. We have got a very busy show today, so we'll get straight into it. But just to let you know, first up, we'll be speaking to Chris Frame for all things cruise news. A little later, we'll be joined by Peter from CLEAR, the Cruise Line International Association. And towards the end, um, a good friend, Eddie, who has spent uh, more than a decade at sea, will be telling us about some of the the, the highlights of uh, uh, cruising the oceans and uh, the various places which he's got to visit over the years. Um, thanks to all three for, for joining us on the podcast. Also, thank you to those of you who have touched base to say hello and how much you are really enjoying the podcast. Uh, you can get in touch with us via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, or, of course, you can leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And it's that time of the week when we catch up with our good friend, Chris Frame. Chris, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Barry. Some good news this week. Oh, lots of good news. Let's kick off with uh, a birthday celebration. Yeah, so it's a, our turn back time, our look back in history is also um, a happy um, modern day experience because Celebrity Cruises is celebrating um, 30 years at sea, which is quite a quite a milestone and also, you know, terrible timing, obviously, with it being in the middle of the cruise pause. But still, they made, a, they made a bit of a thing of it on social media this week. Now, what's interesting about them is that it actually isn't their 30th anniversary in terms of their foundation because the company was founded in 1988, but it didn't do its first voyages. Yeah, it didn't do its first voyages until um, 1990. Now, one of the things that you might uh, wonder when you look at the celebrity cruiser ships is why there's a big X on the funnel. It doesn't really have much to do with Mm -hmm. um, anything to do with the company's name. Maybe it's just a a funny logo, but it actually dates back to its foundation because it was created by the Chandras Group. Uh, which were a company that had been formed in the 1960s, a family company. And they used ocean liners to operate uh, voyages to Australia from Europe as part of the assisted passage scheme, which we have spoken about on previous podcasts. But mm-hmm. basically that was that, um, it's nicknamed as the 10-pound poms. It was where you could get 
um, discounted voyages, but it was also available to people throughout Europe. Yeah. Um, and they could get discounted voyages to come and relocate to Australia. Um, and so that company actually had some very famous ships that Australians might know. And in fact, many Australians who I speak to at lectures and, and um, other maritime events uh, talk about these ships as the ones that they came to Australia or their family came to Australia on. And two of the most famous ones is the Britannus, uh, which was a big two, well, small by today's standards, but, you know, big two funneled liner uh, that was quite well known. And the other one was the Australis, which was on, in service to, to Australia for quite a few years, but actually started its life as the SS America for the United States lines as a big transatlantic liner that operated alongside the SS United States. So had a long history there. But in the 1980s, they sort of realized that cruising was going to be the way forward. And as the assisted passage scheme had sort of been curtailed by then, and they were trying to send their old um, ocean liners cruising, and it wasn't really working out quite so well for them. So they founded uh, Celebrity Cruises, which was able to get a contract with the government in Bermuda that commenced in the 1990s to allow, allow them to do cruises into Bermuda. And so they had a, a converted ocean liner that was turned into their first cruise ship, but then they built two purpose-built cruise ships, uh, the Horizon and the Zenith. And these two ships were the first that sort of looked like the celebrity cruiser ships. They have, they're much smaller, but they have that sort of general celebrity cruiser's appearance and the huge big X's on the funnel because, of course, the parent company was Chandra's, uh, Chandra's group. Now, Celebrity was sold to Royal Caribbean in the 1990s, and um, that sort of has been their ownership structure since then, but they have retained uh, that identity because Chandra's group itself doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. They sort of folded up operations and sold all their assets. So, um, yeah, wow. uh, 30 years since they did their first voyages into Bermuda, and, of course, we're all in the midst of the cruising pause, but once they get recommencing, it will be a good opportunity for those who are working on board to, to celebrate that history. Absolutely. And I have actually popped the, the, the video that shows some of the milestones of the last 30 years up on the, the, the Facebook page. So uh, do take a look. It's uh, It's got lots of interesting facts in there, uh, like the launch of the uh, Solstice class of ships and, of course, more recently, mm. the, the Edge and um, uh, Eclipse. Now, heading over to the UK, um, P&O Cruises uh, UK have got some good news, too. Yeah, they have. Uh, they've been working for the last few years on a new ship, their new flagship, uh, the 184,000-ton Iona, uh, making her what will be Carnival UK's biggest uh, ship, Carnival UK obviously operating both uh, P&O and Cunard. And she's been under construction at the Meyerwerft shipyard in Germany, which is actually the same shipyard that built the very well-known Oriana uh, and her sister ship, the Aurora. And Aurora is still in service with P&O, so it's sort of nice that They've gone back to that shipyard to build their newest yeah, uh, flagship. Interesting, because Carnival generally use Fincantieri, don't they, in, in Italy? They do, but I mean, there's so many ships under construction at the moment that I suppose there's only so many yeah. um, that Fincantieri can 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 manage in Italy anyway. But there's yeah, there's ships under construction there. There's they've got ships under construction at um, Mayer Werft, and then there's other yards, of course, that are doing ships for other cruise lines. So it's um, still, uh, despite what's going on this year, there's a lot of ships under construction. Yeah. Um, but Iona is interesting because she's one of a few new ships that have come out in the last few years that's powered by LNG, liquefied natural gas, which is uh, makes her environmental footprint a lot a lot better than diesel-powered ships. So she's obviously um, doing that in order to help uh, improve her environmental credentials. And the ship's designed really to spend quite a lot of time up in Norway, uh, which is going to be quite quite nice when she enters service. Now, her launch was delayed due to coronavirus, and she's been laid up 
in Germany uh, during the last few months. But she's actually sh- scheduled in the next day or so to set sail for Rotterdam, uh, where she'll be put into dry dock for an inspection before delivery to P&O. So once uh, that's completed, uh, and I think the r- reason behind that, obviously, is that she has been sitting sort of for a while now, hasn't really been able to complete her, her trial. So they're going to go and do all of that up in, in Rotterdam and then bring her back and deliver her to P&O. Brilliant. Now, she may well <laughs> then go straight off to sit with the rest of the fleet because the entire P&O fleet at the moment is at anchor, uh, P&O UK fleet, I should say, is at anchor off Weymouth in um, in the United Kingdom. So whether or not she goes and stays in Southampton for a while or if she goes back to Germany or if she will head off to Weymouth is yet to be announced. Yeah, yeah. Interesting times. Um, heading over to the US next, um, the Port of Seattle has launched a playlist. What's this all about? <laughs> they have. Um, well, Seattle's quite well known for its music scene, um, and it's a, a very popular um, destination for people heading on cruises on the west coast of the United States or also up into um, uh, Canada and Alaska. So the city's decided that it would create a playlist. Uh, it's worked alongside Spotify. Um, to help, I guess, bring a bit of Seattle into the homes of people who maybe have had to cancel trips or are missing visiting the city. Uh, and particularly for those in the United States who, who travel for, for music purposes, it's, uh, it's got quite a lot of uh, prowess, I suppose, as being a city that is great with uh, music and the live music scene. Um, you know, stars like Jimi Hendrix and Ray Charles and the Foo Fighters and Pearl Jam and Nirvana, they all sort of came from Seattle or were wow. discovered wow. in Seattle. Um, yeah, and you know, do you remember the? Well, I don't know if you maybe watched it, the TV show, the the sitcom Frasier. Oh, yeah, yep. Um, yeah, it was set in Seattle, and it's sort of in the '90s and early 2000s. It sort of brought the city to international prominence because it was such a popular popular show, uh, and it played quite a lot um, on the city's uh, sort of buzzing arts and culture scene as well, with lots of classical music venues and opera being quite popular there as well. So there's sort of one of those places where there's something for everybody, depending on what your music taste is. And so they've created this um, this playlist that's uh, not just music, but also sounds of the city. I mean, they've got the uh, the monorail and that sort of thing there as well, and the Space Needle, all these different um, sort of unique little sounds that are unique to Seattle, but sort of mixing that in with uh, with the music that's available. So you can check that out on Spotify. Brilliant. Yeah, I've been to Seattle myself, and I think Australians often overlook it in favour of Vancouver for a, a voyage up into Alaska, but Seattle's got a lot to offer. You know, if you're an aviation geek, uh, you've got the, the Boeing factory, mm. as you say, you've got the Space Needle, um, the, the, pipe, the markets, and yeah, just really, you could spend three days there very, very easily before you, you went on to a, a voyage. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's funny because um, with a combination of being a fan of Fraser and also following lots of um, aviation uh, vloggers and cruising uh, vloggers online, it almost feels like I've been there, but I've never been oh, there wow. myself. <laughs> so it would be a um, good opportunity to check it out for, in person one day once uh, once we're able to able to travel Absolutely. again. Absolutely, um, Penance, our favourite French flagged cruise line, is uh, ready and waiting to hopefully return to Australia and hopefully resume cruises in the Kimberley. Yeah, well, I mean, they've said that they would welcome um, the resumption of cruising, and I suppose um, they're they're probably amongst a lot of us uh, passengers and operators too. And there's, you know, they're kind of poised to to return. Their ships aren't uh, sort of tied up in a lot of this big cluster of ships up in uh, Manila Bay, for example. They've got one of their ships, I believe, over in Umea. Um But um, you know, look, wouldn't we all like cruising to 
to resume, but as, you know, as we spoke about last um, last podcast, there is uh, no real indication from Australia that international borders will open anytime soon, and with the government extending the cruise pause until September. Um, but still, what it does signify is that if cruise lines are saying that they're ready to recommence, it's a very positive sign that when restrictions do ease, that there'll be lots of opportunities for us as Australians to to cruise if cruise lines want to come back um, and want to come back so quickly and are ready to come back. So I suppose it just needs to wait for the the government and the medical advice to allow for cruising to resume. And one of the things is, we spoke about this previously, uh, with the opportunity of having local cruises, it could actually be the way that the industry kickstarts again in Australia. Because if they're doing voyages out of local ports and staying in Australia, uh, then I guess the risk is a lot lower than it would be if it was going internationally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Particularly in the short term. So yeah, that is a very good sign that they're that they're ready for that. And uh, I guess we just have to wait and see what happens with the with the restrictions. Yeah, and La Perouse is one of their newest and uh, smallest vessels. So she's a, a beautiful ship and a nice way to see the Kimberley if we're allowed to. Keeping in the Kimberley region, um, our friends at APT are offering 2021 cruises at 2020 prices. Yeah, so they're saying that they'll uh, be matching some of their trips for next year to prices that they had on offer for for this year. And I think that, you know, we'll see the sort of stuff happening across the industry as they try and encourage people to to, to book a, a cruise holiday for next year and, and have confidence in, in that booking process. Uh, it's really interesting that there's been quite a lot of chatter amongst the cruising community just recently that whether or not next year's prices will, you know, go down or go up. And I think that's a supply and demand thing. Um, there's obviously going to be uh, a sort of a phasing in of cruising once it recommences. But at the same time, I think that a lot of people, and you'll probably know just as well as anyone, Barry, I think there's a lot of people who want to go cruising who are just desperate to have the industry open back up again uh, once it's safe to do so. So you might actually find in a, in a funny way that the demand is so high that they're able to fill all the ships. But but again, if it's, if it's a bit softer when it comes to people being confident enough to, to book, then you might start to find some of these these great specials coming out. So what they've said is that um, they'll offer um, some of their uh, experiences, travel experiences for next year at prices that they were offering for this year. And they have a sort of a mixed bag um, product offering, I guess. It's not just cruising, but they also do um, road journey um, or sort of off-road trips through the Kimberley. And then they have the small ship cruising on the uh, Kimberley coast and the, the Coral Coast. And actually, Funnily enough, my parents did uh, one of their trips up in the Kimberley, and um, you know, the, these my, my folks are used to travelling on, um, you know, ships the size of the QM2, yeah. for example. But they found it absolutely fantastic because it can go into all these little locations that the big ships can't go. It can go into d- deep into the into the gorges, and it has a very sort of personalised experience with uh, the crew who know you sort of on a first name basis kind of thing. So. Um, I don't know. I have never been myself. You, you may have, Barry, but um, it, it does sound like a very ex- sort of special experience. Yeah, no, I haven't actually been myself, but everybody that has been there comes back and raves about it. I think sometimes we we possibly leave it a little bit too late because it's quite an active holiday once you're there. I mean, if you're cl- climbing up through these gorges and things, um, you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. That There isn't really footpaths mm. and they're, they're, it's uneven surfaces and things. So don't leave it until retirement, until later life. If you can get to the Kimberley, do so sooner rather than later because it's a, a very, very special part of the world and everybody, and I really do mean everybody, absolutely raves about it when they come back. Um, one holiday that I rave about and probably a, a product that most Aussies don't know that much about, um, in Europe and also Canada, you can hire 
um, these self-drive boats to go up and down the canals and the the waterways of Europe. And Labota is the biggest operator. Um, they have had some great news this week because they've restarted operations. Yeah, so they've reopened their office in um, Germany, and I think with restrictions sort of being eased in Germany and other um, European countries, it gives these operators a, a bit of confidence, I suppose, to to reopen their their bases and allow them to start preparing to reestablish their hol- holiday offering. Um, now, uh, I think the interesting thing about this is, as you said, it's not the traditional cruise experience by any means. Uh, because I guess in some ways you become your own captain if you're self-driving exactly. your your boat. And have you been? Yeah, I've done it. It's absolutely amazing. And my kids to this day um, still say it's the best holiday we've ever been on. In fact, we are looking right now at booking one in the south of France for Easter next year. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, because they, they've got bases across like numerous European countries. And France is another one you mentioned, and Germany, and I think Italy as well. And um, But I think as you see sort of Europe uh gradually and in different countries it's, it's operating at different uh, things are happening at different speeds obviously different countries there have got more or less cases of coronavirus but as you start to see some of them like germany kind of getting um in control of what's happening you might start to see some of these experiences opening up again uh in in a local sense and i think again that comes back down to what we've spoken about before about um the first step i suppose might well be that that local experiences within that individual country might open up before cross-border experiences do. So that's another um, positive sign there. And uh, lastly for this week, our friends at Royal Caribbean are currently undertaking a huge operation. Mm, they have. So, um, you know, we've had over the last few weeks a lot of talk in the media about the crew that are still stuck on the um, cruise ships. Um, in fact, about two two weeks ago or so, it was reported that there's over 100,000 who are still at sea. And I think if you think that there's 300 large cruise ships and each cruise ship may carry up to, you know, 800 to 1,000 crew, that, that number does make sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so Royal Caribbean and its subsidiary Celebrity, they had a number of their ships rendezvous off Coco, uh, Coco Key, which is their uh, private island. But they had these ships rendezvous out there and then through, through a detailed transfer process they were able to move people around from different ships uh, and they're now um, sending 10,000 of their crew back home uh, on voyages to various different countries on, on various different ships uh, which is something we've seen a number of different cruise lines doing I mean we've obviously seen a couple of weeks back the Carnival fleet uh, rendezvoused and, and undertook a similar situation um, there's um, Costa ships that are returning crew to Asia um, there are also ships from Norwegian Cruise Line, which are going to be repatriating. Disney Cruises has just taken a whole heap of crew um, across to the United Kingdom uh, on, on voyages across the Atlantic. So it's uh, a huge operation being undertaken at the moment, but Royal Caribbean and Celebrity being two of the larger brands um, now doing this has just added another huge boost to that effort um, to get the crew home. Uh, and of course, you know, a lot of people ask questions about why it's taken so long what's so difficult about it um it it is a very complex operation and you're trying to repatriate people from all parts of the world when international air travel has collapsed yeah. um to a certain degree so you know things connections city connections that you could do through international hubs just a few months ago are just not possible at the moment mm. uh, and so i think that's one of the reasons why the cruise lines have decided well you know what we're just going to use our ships because our ships can go places uh, and repatriate people that way. 
Exactly. Now, Chris, you're always popping up uh, new videos on your, your socials about various different topics. I'm sure you've done some this week. Where can we find them? Uh, yeah, so it's uh, youtube.com slash Chris Cunard. Chris and then Cunard, all one word, C-U-N-A-R-D. Um, and yeah, the latest one was actually about this crew transfer, um, which is uh, quite something having a look into why it's, uh, as I mentioned before, why it's taking as long as it did, what is actually the barriers to allow the crew to easily transfer home and then how the cruise lines are impacting it now. So if you wanted to check that out and also some others, and there's some nice footage there and some fantastic photographs of the P&O fleet, um, the UK fleet off Weymouth, and then also uh, the Australian P&O ships anchored in Manila Bay alongside, hun- well, not hundreds, but lots and lots and lots of other um, cruise ships that are up there. There's a huge cluster of them. Uh, that's sitting out there off Manila Bay. So if you'd like to have a look at those images, you can find them on the video. Thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure to have you on. Until uh, next week. Thanks so much, Barry. Take care. Okay, next up on the podcast, we have Peter from CLIA, C-L-I-A, Cruise Line International Association. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Hey, Pete, on the podcast every week, I always mention um, look for a good, clear, accredited agency, but I've never actually explained what that is. <laughs> so I thought we'd get you on the podcast and maybe talk about what clear is globally, and then we can move into how a consumer looks for a, a clear, accredited specialist. Sure. So um, so clear, which is a lot easier to say than Cruise Lines International Association, we're actually the largest uh, cruise association uh, globally. So I think about 95% of... Um, cruise uh, lines that are out there fall under our umbrella. So we're, we're an industry trade body. We represent uh, the cruise lines on various um, aspects like um, advocacy, governance, uh, regulations. We sit on the, on, uh, the board of um, the IMO, the International Maritime Organization. So there's a different uh, um, advocacy role for us. But through the years, we've actually we've got a very strong professional development program. So we train... Uh, travel agents to specialize in um, cruise, understanding the market and uh, all the nuances out there from the ship experience, river cruise experience to uh, the ports they visit. So um, that's pretty much our role. Brilliant. I'm officially a clear accredited consultant, even though I'm not a consultant anymore. Um, but there are different layers, aren't there? Like the, the, a travel advisor can start off at one level and progress up to being a, a master. That's right. So we, we've got a, our first tier of certificate. It's called accredited. Um, but even even that level, it's it's probably the strongest, uh, I suppose, criteria of any other area of the world where agents here have to go through quite extensive training, as I said earlier, on the industry itself, um, as well as um, sales. But we're the only region that to get your certificate, you've actually have had to do a cruise yourself of three yeah. nights or more. So, I mean, you know, it's important as a consumer sitting down, they, they want their agent to actually have experience in, in what they're selling. So that's part of our criteria. And um, and then we're, it's not just training. It's not just experience. It's about uh, other things that we reward them for. So doing ship inspections, going to conferences, information nights, workshops. So these agents 
they're really in, you know engaged. They've got really good contacts and networks through the cruise community. Uh, they stay up to date with important information because you know cruise is such a dynamic industry. So there are certain levels: accredited, ambassador, and master. And and that's just a continuation of uh, a lot of those things I mentioned. Those multi disciplines just adding up uh, through the program. Yeah, I know. As a, as consultant, it's quite competitive. You're always trying to outbeat your colleagues in the, the number of points that you've got. We do. It, we 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 started a top two hundred uh, about five to eight years ago, and yes, they're very uh, competitive, <laughs> which is good though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, how does a consumer find a clear accredited travel agency? So they can go to our website, which is cruising.org.au. And uh, right in the middle there of the homepage, we've got uh, find uh, travel agent, uh, a clear travel agent. So, look, a clear travel agent is going to be specialised. Like I said earlier, um, you know that they've already got a solid client list themselves. So, if they haven't been somewhere, one of their clients, ha- uh, one of their customers have. Um, so, you can go on into our website. You can do it by searching for your postcode through your postcode if you want to deal locally, or you can just peruse through uh, areas. You can check out the top 200, but just rest assured that everyone on in, in that database, they've all gone through training. They've all cruised themselves. Um, so it's a great way to really find someone, you know, that you need. We say specialised, and sorry for going a bit long about this, but I'm passionate about this one. You know, a lot of people don't, <laughs> people don't realise... Um, there's over 350 ocean vessels out there, over 200 river vessels. So that's a lot of product. So, uh, you know, poor person doing a, a Google search is going to be inundated. Then you add in the literally thousands of ports around the world. And then, so you've got all, all, all the options in front of you, but then finding one that has the experience that you specifically want. I mean, that's really hard. So yeah. we actually find statistically agents are... Um, uh, used very strongly in cruise bookings. In fact, uh, in Australia and New Zealand, it's about 80% of all cruise bookings come from travel agents because they can dissect all of that product and information and, and really tailor something specific because there's really something for everyone. So that's why you do a cruise specialist. Go to the website, find one, and uh, have fun. I'll see you out on the oceans or the rivers, actually. <laughs> that's right. I always say that a good accredited crew specialists can really narrow down the, the ships and the itineraries just with a couple of questions. They know the questions to ask to, to see what lifestyle choices you like, and they can really make sure that you are on the right ship for that, that perfect holiday. 100%. Thanks, Pete. Really appreciate your time. Hopefully we'll get you back on future editions, maybe talking about a few ports. Of course, this podcast is not possible without the help of our good friends and sponsors. All of their details are found on our website and in the show notes below, but our two main sponsors today are cruisefinder.com.au and also Sandals and Sunsets, home to the award-winning Avarka Handmade Sandals. Okay, next up on the show, we're joined by Eddie Wong. Eddie has had a long uh, career in the general cruise industry, but also spent more than a decade at sea. And I thought we'd catch up with Eddie to to find out a little bit more about what life is like at sea and what really keeps pulling you back. So, Eddie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Barry. Good to be on the show, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. I feel very privileged. Oh, you're and very honored. welcome. Thank you. <laughs> now, I guess we 
used to work together quite a long time ago when we represented a, a couple of cruise lines. Um, but since then, you've moved around the world to various different places mm-hmm. and worked on various different ships yes. and spent more than a decade out to sea. But what attracted you to to leave the office life and to uh, step on board the, the, the ship for life? Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, I guess... Um, the the passion I have for travel is uh, is one that's really overwhelming, and uh, you know, working in the office, uh, you know, working with you in the office uh, was uh, was great. But you know, selling these travel packages and the selling the dream, and I wasn't living that dream, was uh, was kind <laughs> of uh, uh, you know upsetting me in a way. So I was like, okay, what can I do? I need to get out there. I want to I want to work and but travel at the same time. So. Um, you know, I, I went to university at Sydney Uni and uh, got a marketing degree, uh, Bachelor's of Commerce, majoring marketing. So, uh, so I wanted to utilize my marketing and also travel. Um, so, you know, killing two birds with one stone and, uh, and working with you um, for the cruise liners, I was like, okay, there's got to be something that I can do uh, on the ships. So, um so I looked and there was a marketing manager position on the ships, which was great. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh, so I jumped on that and, uh, and applied. And um, next thing you know, I was uh, going for an interview. Uh, ten interviews later, I was uh, shipped over to Vancouver for my first assignment on Celebrity Cruises. Uh, out of Vancouver, going up through Alaska, doing the seven-day run from uh, from Vancouver up to Seward and down again. And so uh, that was my very first ship uh, at the Celebrity Millennium. And uh haven't looked back since then. You know, if, uh, I swore I'd only do two two contracts on board and, and 10 years later, I'm still on ships. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I kind of, I think I found... Um, what I've really been looking for, and um, it allows me to travel. Uh, it allows me to uh, utilize what I studied and uh, what I graduated in, and uh, and I am seriously very happy. That leads me straight into two questions. Alaska is an awesome destination; everybody needs to go there. But I can't imagine being in Alaska for six months because the the weather must get a bit tiresome i guess yes it does i would say on every ship uh you will venture into tracy uh tracy on fjord or um a fjord where you uh go and see a glacier and uh i would say eight out of ten times that glacier is you know you're not you're not looking at it in its pristine yep uh you know viewpoint because you know there's clouds it's raining outside it's pouring it's the windy the fog there's been times where you know we've had uh, passengers in there that's a thing the one thing in there the whole cruise that i want to see is that glacier and it is completely fogged over and you can't see a thing so um and i feel i feel so sorry for them but uh but then there's days where it's absolutely incredible blue skies uh, stunning and um, well worth it. Absolutely well worth it. So uh, I think Alaska is one of the most beautiful destinations, especially uh, while you're cruising. Um, it, it's, you know, nothing. I'd say the only thing that really compares to that would be uh, Norway 
and uh, and maybe New Zealand, uh, you know, going through Milford Sound. But uh, but Alaska and the glaciers, uh, the mountains, um, absolutely stunning. I um, will come on to your favourite destinations shortly. But another question that sprung into my head is, what does a marketing manager do on board? Okay, good question. Good question because a lot of people ask me that. You're a marketing <laughs> manager, like, uh, what do you do? Well, what I uh, what I did was uh, I was uh, lead heading up all the revenue generating departments on board the ship, because you have a you have a, a confined uh, targeted audience on board the ship, and so for instance uh, in Alaska. The number one gener- uh, revenue generation uh, generating department was shore excursions. Uh, it, de- it really depends on which itinerary, because uh, when you're doing, say, the Caribbean, the Caribbean is much less focused on shore excursions and more on the bars sure. and the casino. You know, you're researching and you're doing uh, your due diligence on who, what kind of clientele are coming on board because different nationalities um, need to be marketed in a different way and they different spends so if you have a lot of Brazilians on board for instance you know you'd um, or a lot of Chinese then you're focusing more on the casino for the Chinese or brand named products at the retail so you've got to get in your um, your big brands for for the Brazilians, so yeah, it, it's really looking at uh, the different nationalities and how you are going to market strategically, how to market yes. that um, to these uh, passengers. Wow, brilliant! I should assume somebody sat in head office and kind of coordinated that as a global kind of policy. But yeah, interesting that it's really down to each individual ship and region. Absolutely, it is. It absolutely is in the, uh, by ship and by region for sure. And um, yeah. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a very, 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 very um, amazing leader, uh, boss for at Celebrity Cruises, who na- now heads up uh, the Australian market, I think, in uh, in Sydney um, for Celebrity Cruises. So, uh, but she was my direct boss and the most wonderful woman in the whole world, which uh, I love dearly. So uh, she's now in Sydney, based in Sydney. So. Yeah, and she's yeah, as you say, great, and it's uh, so proud to represent that particular brand. Correct. Now you've done a different few different roles on board. What's been your favourite role? Uh, what's been my favourite role? Um, uh, I I did I really did like enjoyed the uh, the marketing side of things for sure. Okay, um, I did work. Uh, believe it or not, I worked uh, in the HR side of things as well, uh, which I love because I really built a very strong connections with all the crew members on board and getting to know what makes them tick and what makes them angry and, you know, what, the, what <laughs> they want to vent about, which wasn't, you know, always a good thing. But, yeah. um, but working with the crew was, was fantastic, um, uh, a fantastic part of my time on board the ships. Um, but I think out of all the roles that I've had on board the ship, it's my current role. Uh, I currently work for the world, and um, and they are all residents 
uh, on board. So they own the ship and they live, they, they own the apartment in which they live in on the ship. So yeah. it's like buying a, an apartment on board the ship and uh, they own it. So uh, right, I would say that my current role uh, is has been my favorite because I get to build relationships with uh, with the residents. They live there. I live there. We are family, and uh, I love it. I, I I I really have strong relationships with all the residents, and I learn a lot from them. And uh, they make my job easy, and they might make my job really enjoyable on the ship because we're really a family uh, on board this small little vessel that goes around the world. So, going back to the crew, I, I guess uh, a passenger or a guest going onto a cruise for the first time doesn't really realize how much time, energy, and resources is given into like the HR side of things to make sure that the crew are, as you say, very much family, are healthy, happy, motivated um, to make sure you, the guests have the, the, the best possible experience. Yes, I mean there there is a lot of work. There's a huge HR department. Uh, when I worked for HR, uh, I worked for all brands. I worked for Royal Caribbean, Azamara, Celebrity Cruises. And um, and we were a very big department uh, in the Miami office. And, um, and there's a lot of coordination. Uh, there's a lot of coordination in terms of uh, the hotels, the, uh, the signing on and signing off procedure is a huge operation around the world. I mean, how many ships do we have in terms of Royal Caribbean celebrity around the world? And the crew movement is absolutely huge, you know, so we're needing to accommodate crew members. We're needing to buy them flights. We're needing to do transportation on land. We need to give them more money to, to, to eat <laughs> while they're on land. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's a huge operation, and uh, I think it's something that's uh, you know we had down pat. We had uh, you know the, the the cogs were turning, and everything was uh, uh, was organised in a really um, in a really good way to to um, make sure that the crew members were looked after uh, when they're signing on and signing off the ship. Brilliant. Yeah. Now. You mentioned your current ship, which obviously you're not on because, as we, we know, the, the global industry has paused for the moment. Um, if COVID hadn't happened, where in the world would you likely be right now? Well, right now, uh, I would be traveling around Israel uh, because I would have uh, my contract would have finished on the 22nd of May. And then I would have gotten off uh, in a port close to Tel Aviv. And from there, I would have... Uh, Done a little travel, a little side travel around Israel and Jordan, and then I would have uh, joined, rejoined the ship over in Germany. Um, oh, wow. So that would have been a nice little uh, adventure of mine. But uh, unfortunately, because of the situation, uh, I had to – I disembarked the ship when it was in Perth. So that's why I'm in Perth still. Uh, and <laughs> we, we got off the ship on uh, – most crew got off the ship on the 17th of March. So I've been here since then, and uh, the ship was uh, was um, what the ship left 
the shores, the great shores of Australia, unfortunately. Uh, we were planning to stay, but um, unfortunately, circumstances, uh, due to circumstances, we were we need to move. And now it just arrived into Falmouth in the UK, and that is where it will stay. So. Yeah, there's quite a few ships in, in Falmouth at the minute. I think pretty much all of the P&O and most of the Cunard fleet, et cetera, are, are waiting there. Yeah, exactly. Now, I would never dream of asking you what your favorite ship is, um, but I would like to know, what are some of your favorite ports to sail in and out of and why? Okay. Uh, there's so many, um, but uh, I've got a few which just stand out. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm from Sydney. And uh, and always sailing into Sydney Harbour really makes me it it sends shivers down my spine. I'm, I've got this tingly feeling every time I see the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House in the distance while we we sail into the Ocean Passenger Terminal. It is uh, just one of the most stunning and incredible experiences. And I, I guess I'm a bit biased because I'm from Sydney and and I spend most of my time away from Australia. So every time I do come to Sydney, it's kind of very emotional for me. So uh, yeah, no, I get that. I'm 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 a pom, but uh, I, I do say, yep, Sydney is one of the best ports to sail in, and yeah. everybody should get up very early and sail through the heads and just oh. see Sydney open up in front of you. Absolutely, absolutely, it's a, it's incredible. Uh, I'd say also, I just la- the late last year we um, we did China and uh, and yeah. sailing. And, and docking right on the Bund in Shanghai is yep. unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. Um, the buildings, it, it's like a city on steroids. It really is incredible. Um, the, the lights, the, the light show every single night coming from the Bund and, and like the, the, the lasers and the the uh, graphics on all the buildings, it is just something to behold. And so I think everyone, everyone should see it. It is, it's quite amazing. So, uh, yeah, so I was in Shanghai myself last year for the launch of a Royal Caribbean ship and the same, yeah, the, the, I'd, I'd never been to China, had no idea what to expect um, and got to Shanghai and it was this big, shiny metropolis and yeah, busy waterfront. Like it, yeah, it's a pretty special place. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And then, uh, obviously, um, similar to, to Shanghai was Hong Kong as well. I mean, I love, um, you know, the, every night at 8 o'clock, they have the big laser light show. Um, so being docked right there in the Star Ferry Terminal, kind of being in the middle of this big light show, is uh, it's quite uh, a sight to see. So it's, it is a spectacle. And... So those those two are, I guess, uh, are very special in the same kind of way because it's wow, it's such a wow. Um, yep. And then uh, and then the other one I, I, I love always coming into both Vancouver and uh, coming into San Francisco as well, uh, going under okay. the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge and seeing San Francisco and um, yeah, I, I think that's very special and also for Vancouver. Because it was my first port, and uh, and it's such a beautiful city, and you have the mountains in the background, the beautiful city. So yeah, that's always in my heart as well. So now you're 
blessed now because your ship kind of spends a lot longer in ports and regions than a typical cruise ship. Mm-hmm. What destinations have just blown your mind? Like places that you probably never thought you'd get to and you've just yep. gone, my God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's so many. I, I am absolutely blessed to be on uh, the ship that I'm on. Absolutely blessed because we do go to the most incredible destinations and why do we do that it's because our our residents vote for it because they kind (laughs) of own the ship so we can go really anywhere so uh so we go to the most incredible places and i I guess the one place uh, there's a couple but one that stands out is um is madagascar um madagascar for me was uh just such an amazing Place meeting all those people, um, the, the Malagasy's, uh, how they lived, you know, they was just so happy. Um, we came in with zodiacs to all the beach landings and uh, and just to see the little villages that they lived in. It was so eye opening and so enriching to see that they pretty much live off the grid, um, but were so happy because it's all about family and. So uh, to see Madagascar in the way that I saw it was pretty incredible. Uh, Melanesia as well, um, going up to Melanesia and doing the islands around um, the Solomon Islands and Vanuatu, uh, you know, those, those islands there and going to these really remote islands where, you know, you're, where you're greeted by the chief of the island and, and just the way they dressed and the way they... Uh, they lived was something that was um, really special for me. You know, I've never been to these places and I don't think I'll ever will if it wasn't for me being on the, this ship. And uh, so, yeah, so these these kind of expeditions were great. And I, I'll tell you a third one uh, was uh, going up to Svalbard um, up in uh, almost the North Pole and seeing yeah. polar bears swimming around us, going on our polar bear plunge into the North, uh, the North Pole and plunging into the water with icebergs floating around you. Um, yeah, it, it, that, that was pretty special as well, you know, going up there. So I could go on and on and on, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot I've of special moments. I've got a friend who is originally from Perth here, but lives in Svalbard year-round, um, working for the, the tourism office up there. And the po- pictures she posts year-round are just incredible. Oh, it is. It is. I can't imagine being there for winter, though. That's like 24 hours of, of darkness. Yes. So, but you get the northern lights, so that kind of you do gives you a bonus, I guess. <laughs> you do get the northern lights. And I was lucky enough to see them. While, uh, and uh, it's it's the most special and stunning experience so um yeah i feel very yeah, lucky I was lucky to, i cruised with hertig written um up the, the coastal voyage all the way up to kirkenes and back mm-hmm. and the same we saw them probably four times and every time i saw them they got better and to the point that it was like the whole sky was just dancing this green and blue like it was oh, words can't describe it it was incredible yeah yeah well i'm glad that you can uh share my my love affair with uh, with the Northern Lights. So it's, yeah, it's, it really is special. Now, obviously, you spent a long time um, out on the ocean. If 
somebody was listening to this and they're considering a cruise for the first time, what advice would you give them for, for, for that first trip? My advice would be to try everything. Uh, try like Join the activities that are being organized. Uh, be open to that um, because I think a lot of uh, people, a lot of my friends that never cruised before, they they always come to me and say, oh, how can you be on a cruise because you're so confined in this little space? And, and uh, they couldn't be further from the truth because like every day, like you're in a different port and you go out and you see the places. Um, but then, you know, while you're on board the ship, there's so many activities on board the ship that there's so much fun. So I really feel that if you're a first-timer, you go on, you you participate in a lot of things, you be open-minded and be open to meeting other people as well because everyone's there to have yeah. fun. And, uh, and some of my best experiences on ships is when I met uh, other people and became really good friends with them. And I'm still really good friends with a lot of the people I met on cruise ships. Um, from around the world, and that they that actually makes your trip is really yeah. the people that you meet. So um, so absolutely be open minded to meeting people, and be open minded to try different activities. If uh, there's an activity on something, I don't know, making sushi or something, go do it. Yeah, you know, give it a go. Give it a go. Give it a go. Be open. So, I love sitting in the atrium on the embarkation day and just watching the faces of everybody coming on board. But you can tell the first time cruisers, and particularly kids yeah. who are cruising for the first time, to see their face light up is just ah, oh, magic. It is absolutely magic. I used to do a, a presentation on embarkation day to all first time cruisers, and oh, yeah. so um, to give them an introduction. Uh, on what we offer on board the ship, I would do this presentation for half an hour, and uh, and it was really one of the, the my favorite parts of my experience working on a ship is to meet these first time cruisers because they're so excited and so excited excitable because you know they're just yes. wow they've never seen a ship so big like i used to work on the oasis of the seas which is the biggest ship in the world uh, at yep. the time and i mean you, it, it is an incredible incredible ship there's you've got everything on there and imagine a first time cruiser their first cruise is on <laughs> oasis of the sea <laughs> it's like it's a mind blowing experience you know when when i did my presentations on the oasis at the aqua uh, at the um, Aqua State, oh, the Aqua Theatre at the back. Theater yeah. the back. I used to do it there, and all the um, new new arrivals would come and sit, and they're just looking around, just gazing, <laughs> just going, "Wow!" And uh, it's 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 so cool. And then I'll, I'll be speaking to them all like one on one afterwards, and they're like, "Oh, what should we do?" And you know, and my thing <laughs> is always meet people, go and go and enjoy everything, and try everything out, and and meet people. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, one last thing. If you've got a message to any past um, or even potential future guests, either whether they're with you on the world or on a any ocean-going vessel. Mm -hmm. my, my, my thing would be, if you're a past cruiser, um, don't lose hope. I mean, we are going to be back uh, for sure. And we'll be back 
better and, and safer than ever. I mean, you know, I know that um, our company, we're, we're following all the guidelines and we're, we're looking closely at uh, all the big cruise liners and what they're doing in terms of the protocols that uh, they'll be implementing. And it, it's we're going to be very safe. Uh, the ships are going to be as safe as anything once we restart operations. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, we're going to be back and we're going to be better. So uh, so come back. Um, I mean, it's the best way to travel without a doubt. The best way to travel around the world. And, you know, um, so don't lose hope uh, in terms of that. And for potentials, uh, you know, come and try us out. Uh, you know, we're as I, as I mentioned, we're going to be the safest uh, it, it's going to be so safe to be traveling on board ships. So, um, so there's nothing to worry about once we, uh, yeah, start operations. I mean, we're we're working closely with the CDC to ensure that uh, all the procedures and protocols are in place to ensure that the uh, that the number one priority is the safety of the passengers. So um, that's how it always has been. It's it's always been. Uh, safety and health is the the first priority of, of any ship, and I have to say I don't think there's a hotel that compares to any ocean going vessel in the the levels of sanitization and hygiene and reporting that go on uh, behind the scenes. So couldn't agree more. Correct. The safest holiday by a long shot. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So there you go. Eddie, it's been an absolute privilege, mate. Um, loved having a little chat with you and catching up with you on where you've been since we last met. Um, when you do get back to the ocean, mate, um, enjoy every minute. And uh, I hope uh, to catch up with you personally very, very soon. That, thank you so much. Thanks, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck with everything. And yes, we will catch up for sure. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.